and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. I'm curious, do you want to know how to achieve lasting positive transformation, abundance and empower your life? If you are not happy with where you are today and the repeating patterns that represent in your life over and over again, then a radical shift is what's required to help you make changes and live your life more on purpose. All you need to do is sign up to our email list and you will receive an online module on how to create radical paradigm shifts. You can get it completely for free when you sign up to our email list at katherineplano.com. And as a valued subscriber, you are also going to get exclusive content that's only available to our email subscribers, where we will have members-only events, free access to online masterclasses, VIP and discount tickets to all events. Only available for people on our email list, we offer bonus content with more advanced tips that are exclusive just for our email subscribers. There is an amazing stuff available for you only if you sign up to the email list and you can do that by going to katherineplano.com and sign up on the homepage. This week, as always, we have another super amazing guest for you. We have Alexandra Roxo. Alexandra is a transformational coach, healer, writer, and artist who is extremely passionate about awakening the world and being of service. Her writing on personal growth, healing, the divine feminine, moon ritual, and modern spirituality can be read on girlboss.com, Teen Vogue, Mind, Body, Green, and more. She has been featured in many publications for her deep, sensual, and raw approach to healing and transformation, and has also been named a modern spiritual leader by Well and Gould, and has appeared on multiple TV shows and featured in top podcasts. Her work as a filmmaker and on-camera host took her to Cuba to shoot with the Castro family to a truck stop strip club in New Mexico to Vavelas in Brazil. Her feature film Mary Marie was well reviewed in Variety magazine and bought by TLA releasing in 2013. Her vice documentary Every Woman has been viewed by over 14 million people online. Her highly acclaimed web show Be Here Nowish was featured in the press from the New Yorker to Vogue and proclaimed as the new new age in the London Times. 
her feature film script, One for the Road, was featured in Independent Film Week at Lincoln Centre, Tribeca Film Festival, Screenplay Labs and a Sundance Lab finalist. It's now time to tune into this one very creative and inspirational soul. Enjoy. Well, today I'm super excited about our guest. We have Alexandra Roxo all the way from LA. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you so much for having me. Mm, and I was just explaining to Alexandra, and for your for those that are listening, check out her website. It's very creative, very colorful, and very beautiful. And uh, the beautiful Alexandra created it, that website herself, which I think it's super amazing. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I think when when I started my own business, I had to learn how to do everything myself at first <laughs> before asking for help. I I kind of wanted to just make it happen myself and to learn the ropes. And now I'm like, okay, now I'm going to hire, I'm hiring someone to make me a new website. So enjoy oh, this one while it's there. <laughs> it's beautiful. I kept looking and it's just so beautiful. Like it's like walking through a gallery of paintings. That's well, what it was so like. my friend Domino, she did paint on photos of me and she made the art that's there right now. Oh, it's beautiful. So, Alexandra, the way that we love to start the show is always ask our woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So, tell us, how did you get to where you are today? Well, I have always been a deep seeker. So, and I've always been an artist. Um, from the time I was a young little girl, I was interested in telling women's stories. Um, helping other women tell their stories. It's kind of been embedded in me. And I started by being in theater and writing and performing. I went to college and in college for acting, a lot of the work that I did was very personal development and um, spiritually based. As funny as it was, I didn't know I was going into that kind of a program, but Some of the first things that we worked on were finding our voice, getting into our bodies, releasing conditioning and releasing fear about being ourselves. So a lot of that work, I still pull into the work that I teach today. I I wrote a post um, on Instagram this summer and I really dedicated it towards my first teachers who taught me how to use my voice, claim my voice, speak my story make friends with my body, be in my body, um, allow myself to be a woman who isn't afraid of her voice or sexuality. I, I owe all that to these teachers that, um, that I've trained with in college, actually. Um, De- Deborah Campmeyer, Alethea Hages, and Joanne Edelman. These, <laughs> there are these three incredible women. Um, and that work has really stuck with me over the last like 17 years. Mm. So it's it's. I've got a, a question just on that. How does one, and I'm sure our listeners are thinking the same thing, how does one find their voice and then claim their voice? So in the finding your voice part, well, so we've all been conditioned by society, right? We've been intaking media and religion and politics since we were kids, whether we liked it or not. So with all those structures come the beliefs embedded in those structures. Um, 
those beliefs then make up our mind. They they create the mind that we see the world through. They create the lens. It's like putting on a, a pair of goggles. We are everybody's given certain goggles based on your socioeconomic class, your religious background, some of it based on your inherited trauma or childhood trauma. Um, so in order to find your voice amidst all of that noise, it can be quite complex. And I think what, what I began to learn in college was, oh, wait, who am I underneath the religion, the socioeconomic class, my skin color, my gender, like who, who am I underneath all of that? And honestly, I think that that's like a lifelong search. I don't think it's a finite point or a destination that we arrive at. But I think it's something that we continue to explore as humans. Um, we strip away layers of conditioning and we, we get to choose, okay, well, what, which cultural narratives do I identify with? Uh, which belief systems actually feel aligned with my heart? Um, which stories do I actually feel are empowering to me and which are disempowering? So in order to claim our voice, we have to do that investigation to find out who we really are. And again, that's an ever-evolving process, in my opinion. So the the claiming of our voice is first kind of like a peep in the dark of like the dark being like this world that um, has been given to us. And we begin to sort of peep our head and go like, oh, hi, I have something to say. <laughs> and, and we don't really um, always can't control those first little peeps, how they come out. I mean, some of my early feminist art is kind of like amazing and cliche and stereotypical because I was like trying to find my voice, you know, like, who am I? What do I have to say? And some of it's super tapped in and I still identify with it now. And I'm like, yeah, that was coming from a soul place, from a depth place. And some of it not. Some of it I'm like, okay, that was coming from me trying to fit in or me trying to be accepted. So that search for finding our voice, it takes a lot of practice, a lot of um, deconditioning, meditation, self-reflection, whatever modalities you use to begin to uncover that which you are at your center, which you could call your uh, infinite heart or your soul or your spirit that is that's the place that then speaking from that place often resonates with people on a deeper level. I think it can be very nourishing for people to hear someone speak their voice where it's coming from a grain of truth. Uh, and that truth is very personal and subjective depending on who we are. And that's what makes the world so exciting because we all have this different flavor of truth. There's no one exact thing. We're all like shades in this rainbow. We get to express who we are. And that's why no one can imitate us because we each are so unique. We're made by Mother Nature as unique. There, there's no other Alexandra walking around the world and there's no other you walking around the world. So that which you have to say, if you mind, mind the gold inside of you, will be uniquely you. That is so powerful and so profound when you think about especially we have a lot of listeners that are entrepreneurs, uh, women in business and men in business, uh, and we talk about how comparison to others, whereas you're talking about that nobody can actually imitate us because we are so unique and authentic in who we are, which I love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And it takes a lot of, you know, deep self-work. I mean, I think that's why there are thousands of spiritual texts about 
seeking and searching for this this truth that exists inside of each of us. And um, the voices, the authors, the artists, the poets, the writers, the teachers that speak from that deep place are the ones that go down in history because they're sharing something that is like an echo of the soul that we know and that we're, we're yearning for. Mm. And the the deep work, and I think this is really important for us to maybe um, have a chat about that because I think the deep work never ends. And quite often when people go down the rabbit hole and start doing this um, you know, self healing, and they go, th- and they 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 keep it. It just never ends, and uh, it's interesting because we were just talking about it the other day, where somebody was saying, um, "Catherine, I've been doing this work for twenty odd years, and I thought I had my shit together, and actually, I realized that I it never stops. Like the work never stops; mm-hmm. it continues, and literally, that's what we're here for. It's, we're here to grow and learn, and." Life is is like a school. It's, it's it's teaching us. We're learning lessons and we're growing, but that never ever ends. What are your thoughts around that? No, oh, I very much agree. That's how I teach too. I'm always like, we are in school. What classroom are you currently in? What classroom am I currently in? And what lessons are we working with? Because yeah, it does continue on. I think you know in Buddhism, it's like until all beings are liberated, then we're not liberated, you know, because we are operating on this planet together. So it's not just, oh, let me find a way to liberate myself. It's let me find a way to pursue my own healing and learning while helping the collective, uh, while uplifting the collective, in my opinion. And unless we all become enlightened, then there's, you know, still work to do. Obviously, we're not anywhere near that point on this planet. There's so much still violence and strife and turmoil and all of that. So essentially, the the, the work is still in full flux still, and still in, it's in process. Absolutely. So, Alexandra, you do uh, a lot of uh, self-healing and breakthrough sessions. And I'm curious, uh, maybe if you could talk us through what exactly is that and a little bit around emotional alchemy as well that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, to, to just give people a little bit more. So I, I, I primarily had a career as an actress, writer and director. And I, my own journey of self-exploration, healing, spiritual search, I translated in my artistic works. Um, That's what I was doing. And then I heard a voice that was like, okay, you need to help others to do the same thing. So this kind of access that I had to sharing my voice and to speaking up or making art out of my own healing or really investigating self-healing instead of turning to say the religious institution or something. This had been my life. And I heard this voice, like it's time to empower other people, primarily women to do this work as well. Um, Because we haven't been taught that we know how to self-heal. We haven't been taught that we know how to um, transform ourselves to transform old narratives, old stories, beliefs and traumas, uh, pains, all that kind of stuff that exists within our system. We haven't been taught, most of us, how to do that work on ourselves. And so I wanted to begin to facilitate processes for other people to say like, hey, um, I've been healing myself. I've been doing this deep work. And if I can, you can too. (laughs) Um, 
So I began to step into a position of service as a mentor, a healer, a coach, a guide. Uh, I began to study with different teachers, studying different modalities, and essentially using my own healing process as the space for really knowing how to help others. Because, uh, you know, you can teach something, right? You can teach something and not have fully experienced it. And that's a very different thing. For me, I felt like, well, okay, I better first conquer my own demons. And obviously, that's a never-ending process. (laughs) But I teach in the areas that I feel the most mastery, which are helping women to feel safe in their sexuality, um, to feel safe sharing their voices, to feel safe being seen in the world. Um, And those are all areas that I did my own deep healing in. So it's been an incredible journey so far. I've led retreats. I've done tons of sessions with women. I've helped mentor them into having the courage to start their own processes, their own businesses, their own practices, their own um, programs, their own podcasts, whatever it is. And that's just been gorgeous. And I've been walking right alongside them the whole time um, doing my work. And uh, that's just, yeah, that's what I love doing. So from a uh, breakthrough session, what what exactly, because you talk about emotional uh, alchemy, so you, do you yes. work with emotions as part of the breakthrough session? Yes, yes, I do. I think, you know, for me, I work primarily with women. We have, um, you know, traditionally the feminine, we've been taught by society that our emotions are a little bit more acceptable, but I think men or women, we can use our emotions to heal and to transform. So not having space to express our emotions, like for me, say I grew up in the suburban uh, Bible Belt in Georgia, um, that it it was not safe for me to express my emotions in a school setting or in public. Um, It wasn't, there was a lot of repression and a lot of bottling up. There was, um, I didn't know how to be sad, to be angry, to um, use my feelings in order to catalyze change in my body, in my mind, in my spirit. So I've been leading embodied breath work uh, using the emotions stored in the body for the last few years. And that has been one way to create an emotional alchemical state in the body. So say you're a person that has a lot of anger stored. Well, if you use a modality such as breath work, you might have some anger rise to the surface. So you might find yourself after doing some breathing, having wanting to scream. And so I facilitate processes with people and I'll have like a room full of women screaming and crying and releasing emotions that have been stored in their bodies, maybe that are weighing them down, that are making them feel small or um you know, contracted. And once people start learning how to do that on their own, then you can lead yourself through that process. Often you can actually see an emotional response as an indicator that there's a wound, that there's a shadow, that there's a belief or something that is rising to the surface and wanting to be expressed and worked through. So the emotion actually becomes this gorgeous pointer, right? It's like, hey, look in this direction. There's something here for you. 
Now, if we can take the time out of our day, maybe put it in our morning practice or when we get home for work, we can say, wow, I got really angry today. I'm going to now sit in a practice, be it a meditation or a breath work. I'm going to use that emotion. I'm going to follow it into a root so I can see why. Oh, this relates to this childhood wound that I'm still carrying around. So this is my healing curriculum right now. That creates change. But if we look at our emotions just as these like sort of, you know, uh, reactive things that are just flying around and have no meaning and that we're trying to get rid of, then we miss a healing opportunity. Um, so that that's definitely a big part of my work is helping people to feel and to have the courage to feel and letting the act of feeling become a step in the healing process, uh, which is just it makes perfect sense to me, right? It's like, okay, I'm sad. Well, I can just try to pretend I'm not sad and watch television or drink something or ignore it. And likely it's going to keep knocking at the door or I can follow that sadness down to the root and I can see what it's connected to. Likely it's something from my past. And if I have the courage to really look at that, then there's a chance I can heal something that maybe has been inside of me for over a decade. Um, and it's, yeah, that's, it's just such a beautiful way of working. And there can be great breakthrough there because sometimes an emotional response is linked to something so old that is really been stored deep in our unconscious. It's, it's, it's then becoming a shadow part of ourself and we get to really turn and look at it for the first time. Mm, I love that. So before we go into the shadow, I am curious, what kind of breath work do you uh, practice? So it's an embodied breath work that has three components to it. It has um, a belly breath, a deep belly breath that specifically for women helps soften the whole pelvic area, um, which most of us have been taught to hold in our bellies, hold in our genital squeeze, like we're squeezing in our pee or something, you know, holding in our bellies to make them look flat. Um, and there's a lot of emotion stored in this kind of lower part of the body. Uh, I'm just speaking from being a woman. And I'm sure for men, it's similar, but I don't have a male. I, 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 I can't speak to that necessarily. <laughs> um, and so the breath component is breathing into the lower belly, softening the whole lower belly. So the womb, the genitals, the pelvic floor, and then we add sound. So then there's a sound component um, of intoning. And this, again, is something that I was trained in when I was like 18 in college. Did I know that this was part of a greater healing process that I would be teaching 17 years later? Nope, <laughs> not at all. Um, but it is. And so then the sound connects us to the throat, to expression. So whatever emotions start to become dislodged from the deep breathing, then get to be expressed through sound. And then eventually we add a slight pelvic tilt, which again, facilitates more energy coming into the body. And it can be just like a full on ecstatic experience, or it can be a full on breakthrough. I mean, I've literally had 60 women in a room doing this breath together, screaming and crying and laughing. And it's really incredible. Wow, that's amazing. 
So yeah. the, the other thing I'd love to unpack, you were talking a little bit about shadow and you talked about when it keeps knocking at the door. So maybe let's unpack the shadow. What exactly is a shadow and how does one become friends with their shadow? Right. Well, so there's so many different people that have so many different definitions of everything, especially when we're speaking in sort of modern psychological terms or um, kind of healing jargon or spiritual jargon. And I think that Carl Jung has um, one of the best definitions. I'm going to Google it for you so that I can read you his because his is a good one. Let's see. Hold on. (laughs) I mean, I can put mine Okay, he says the unknown dark side of the personality. Okay, maybe that's not really. Um, To me, it's the part of ourselves that somehow has split aside, that we've either repressed, that we've either hidden away, perhaps because someone in our life said that part of us was bad or weird, and therefore we kind of tuck it away in the closet and we say, okay, you're not allowed. Okay, you don't belong. And over time, it becomes this monster in the closet. It like gets bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> until it starts knocking. And eventually, um, it, it starts showing up everywhere in our life. And the quote that I was thinking of by Carl Jung is, that which we do not bring to consciousness appears in our lives as fate. So this monster in the closet, even though we usually think that it's hidden away and that no one can see it, it does have an impact on us. We will likely attract other people in our lives with similar shadows, we'll attract situations that might exacerbate our shadow, that might give us an opportunity to bring it to light. Because in my opinion, like if we're here in this earth school, we're learning, then we are given these opportunities by reality to bring our shadow to light. So if we are working overdrive to hide it, eventually there is usually a breaking point. Now, sometimes someone could get sick. Sometimes they could get really depressed. Uh, Hopefully that doesn't happen and we can just listen. We can say, okay, shit, well, I've been hiding this part of myself for so long. I didn't even know I was hiding it. And that's the thing. It's like sometimes we don't know. And the awareness is the first step to integrating the shadow. We have to know, we have to become aware of it. If it's hiding in our subconscious or unconscious part of our mind, then we might not know it's there. So that's where spiritual work, meditation, yoga, self-inquiry, journaling, breath work becomes so, to me, important if you're on a healing journey because then you have an opportunity to create a space for that shadow to come to light in a safe container, especially if it's something that's from like your childhood, say you were like, you know, yelled at for being loud, right? Like, again and again, like you were yelled at by a parent, eventually the child will learn not to be loud. And that part of them, that self-expressed part will go into shadow. So to bring it back up can be very emotional, right? It's like reintegrating a long lost part of ourselves, which at first might seem sort of scary and demonic because it's been hidden away, but it's really just a part of ourselves that wants to be seen and wants to be brought to light and loved. So there's this epic teacher that I've studied with, Lama Sultram Aleon, who wrote a book called Feeding Your Demons. And I've done two retreats with her in the last year. And one of them was a training. And in that work, it's based on a Vajrayana Buddhist practice. You literally sit opposite this shadow part, which you 
you visualize as a demon <laughs> and you feed it. You you literally feed it that which it's been seeking your whole life in order to integrate it, which is, you know, there's so many different ways of shadow integration across different spiritual systems, different um, psychotherapies and uh, different modalities, different uh uh, you know, plant medicine work. There's so many different spaces where we can integrate our shadow. Um, and I find that to be really fascinating because I think humanity on a whole is dealing with a lot of collective shadow right now. So mm, I agree. Absolutely. And I, I love the fact, um, I mean, it is a coaching technique, but I love the fact that you would sit across uh, from your shadow to be able to integrate your shadow and maybe even having conversation with your shadow because a lot of the times exactly. our shadow shows up in ways that we say, I would never do that or that blah, 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 whatever that label is. And so it's, you know, it's always calling uh, out for us to bring it to light. It's whether we're consciously mm-hmm. aware of it or not. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So you talked about pain and I love this question too. We always love to ask our women of inspiration about pain points. We believe everyone's got pain points. What would be one of your pain points or pain point for yourself? And how do you work through your pain points to uh, find a solution that works for you? Mm. Well, one of my big ones has been with my relationship with my father, which has been a big healing curriculum for me this life. And I worked on it within my own self in many different therapy sessions and um, plant medicine ceremonies and all kinds of different modalities. Probably you name it. I tried it (laughs) in order to do the healing with me and my dad. And um, just this summer, I had a major breakthrough with him and we reached just a gorgeous place of peace together after I struggled with him for 30 years um, and our relationship. And, you know, it took such tenacity, honestly. And there were times when I wanted to run away and give up and I didn't. And, um, and I'm so glad that I didn't, but it was definitely like 30 years of um, struggle and healing, struggle and inner work, struggle and more inner work. <laughs> and I honestly think he's the best guru that I've had this life. He's taught me so much about um, how to love myself. And um, yeah, it's been really huge. So that was a pain point, And now it's the love point. But it was mm. 30 years a pain point, 30 years, the most excruciating pain that I think I've, I've ever felt. And it did turn to love. And yeah, just last night, I was laying in bed crying about how much I love him. So oh. like, but it, it yeah, it took so I'm sorry to break it. No, but not everything has to take so long. But no, you know that I will. <laughs> and did you do you think that pivot point for you was because uh, I know people have tried ayahuasca and different uh, plant medicine to work with that deeper part of the unconscious mind to then actually be able to pull themselves out of whatever story they had. Do you think that was a catalyst for you? For sure, but I, you know, I began my journey with plant medicines when I was 28 and I'm 35 now. Um, and I think I wished that, Oh, I'll just do a few and I'll do this great healing with my dad and my mom actually. Um, and it, you know, seven, 
years later, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm still working on this stuff. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but, um, but then it did shift. But yeah, I, I mean, I honestly do think I've worked really hard and the, cur- the healing curriculum that came through my parents, both of my parents are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. I talk about this in my book. Um, so growing up with them and experiencing their PTSD, depression, anxiety, um, alcohol, food, all these different issues that existed in the home with me, um, I really, I carried a lot of their pain And I also carried a lot of pain of wanting parents that were different, wanting to feel um, safer and more held as a child. And so the struggle of wishing I had something that I didn't was a huge part of the struggle of releasing that story. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the, the making peace and loving them for who they are and then not carrying their pain and feeling like I couldn't heal them and it wasn't my responsibility to heal them. I mean, all of that I sat with in ceremonies and plant medicine ceremonies for many years, many years. And this last, I just came back a week ago from doing four um, plant medicine ceremonies with Shipibo healers in the Shipibo tradition. And these were the first ceremonies I've ever had that weren't about my parents. (laughs) Wow. And that's when the breakthrough came. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But the breakthrough with my dad happened before this week. This was that was a few months ago that my dad and I had a breakthrough. But because I did all this work, I was able to make space and that I, you know, now could just sit and look to me and be like, okay, great. Well, if I'm not having to feel their pain and heal their pain and feel the sadness about my childhood, then who am I? (laughs) You know, and and that's it's so beautiful. Like, yeah, if we are not if we don't identify as the pain or trauma that we've experienced, who are we really? You know, mm-hmm. a lot of our identities are built around our pain and suffering or or they're in reaction to our pain and suffering. And so if we can break through to the other side of that pain and suffering, then there's like the endless possibilities as to who we can be in the world and how we can be mm-hmm. and how we can love and experience love and peace. So you know, it's definitely the path that I've been on isn't like, I think the, the norm. <laughs> um, I've really been on a deep dive with my spiritual awakening and healing. But that's what also um, gives me the strength in order to hold other people in containers of healing. Absolutely. I believe that you could not take someone through a transformation or a breakthrough unless you've physically experienced it yourself. So I think that's really important that you've actually gone through the journey yourself because then you can actually share it um, and and it's authentic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So the other thing, uh, Alexandra, that you were talking about is that you've helped uh, women mainly uh, uh, improve or start a business or a podcast or whatever that may be. And um, we always – have a look at, you know, what do you think would be a reason that most individuals do not succeed? So what do you think it's in the way of an individual succeeding, especially for entrepreneurs out there? Mm. Well, I think a lot of these unconscious patterns, you know, there can be unconscious self-sabotage. There are all kinds of fears that um, keep us small and keep us sometimes like 
operating from the in the status quo, let's say like operating based on structures that you see in other people, but maybe there's something in your heart that's like, oh, actually, I want to try it this way. Uh, I think a lot of people don't get to that place that they want to get to because either they're trying to fit their brand or their business into something that they've already seen. And it feels a little too scary to take that leap and do something new. Or um, they have certain fears, habits, patterns that are mental um, that are blocking them essentially from doing the things that would really be success. You know, uh, there's this incredible book called The Big Leap. I don't know if you've ever read it. Yeah, got it. Oh, such a good one. Such a good one by Gay Hendricks. And, you know, in that book, he talks about upper level, uh, upper level limit symptoms where mm-hmm. um, we all have this space, this kind of glass ceiling that we've gotten to in terms of our work or our expression or however you want to put it. Um, and that when we reach that ceiling, if, if we don't actually do the deep work, we won't get beyond it. Uh, and that ceiling is, can be sometimes a belief. Like I've had clients that are like, we go really deep into work and they're like, I'm afraid to succeed because I don't want to outshine my mother. But it's taken us like months to get to that, to that route. Oh, the reason that you're not succeeded is because there's this fear in place that you don't want to outshine your mother or your brother or whoever. So then we work on that fear together and we can really, really get into that. And then once once that starts kind of unpicking, then we can see, oh, actually, mom wants me to be happy and wants me to be um, be successful. And that this is just this really old, old belief and it's preventing me from being successful. So usually there is something at the root when people aren't really in a flow with their work. Now, everybody's success to me is so relative and subjective. So one person's success can look completely different from another person's success. And I think that's another thing that we have to take into consideration is what is my vision of success look like and make sure that it's not just coming from conditioning, right? Like, is your version of success putting... 25% of your money towards building a school for children and living pretty modestly? Or is your your version of success that you want to have, you know, a six bedroom home? I don't have judgment on whatever that is for you, but I want you to make sure that it's really from your heart and not from societal conditioning or wanting to be validated or approved by society, but instead really in alignment with your heart. And the only way you're going to know that is if you do deep practice with your heart, meditation, you know, yoga, self-inquiry, all that kind of stuff to get into what, what is your version of success? What is that thing? And again, that is an ever changing point on a map because one year, I mean, if I look back and say what I would have viewed as success when I was 25, well, it's quite different than 35. You know what I mean? Mm, Of course. Absolutely. So when you're talking about fear of success, that is one way we unpacked um, 
in a, I can't remember who we unpacked. We've actually talked about uh, fear of success quite a few times, but the fear of success could also be that success of fear of, uh, like I said, outshining others, but also what comes with that. So for example, fear of failure, you fail, you get back up again and you, you give it a go. Fear of success, there's a whole raft of it that I might lose my family, my friends, I might have to move, I might not have the same comfort that I have today. I might have to stretch myself. I might have to feel uncomfortable. Um, And we know that fear is, well, false evidence appearing real. It's really only a figment of our imagination. But then it's how do we then build that courage to walk through that door, like you said, and then on the other side of that is endless possibilities. So what's your trick Mm. with working with fear? Mm. So I always tell people this one and it might not work for everybody but my fear I mean my not my fear my uh my trick to facing my fear is that for me if my work has the ability to help touch other people in some way shape or form I'm willing to sacrifice myself and I don't mean that in like a I'm a martyr or victim way but I'm willing to look dumb I'm willing to um look silly I'm willing to have people maybe not like something I do if there's somewhere inside my heart that says, you know what, this might help people. Um, so I hold that vision of like, if this is, has the potential to help somebody, uh, then it's worth me taking a risk. My name means helper of mankind. So I, I've always had this desire in my heart <laughs> to be of service. Um And so that gets me through the tough times. It's like, well, even though I might feel triggered right now, I might feel scared. I might feel small. I might feel alone. I might feel rejected. However, I know that I keep doing this in the hopes that it will help others. And so I'm willing to feel shitty sometimes and face my fears. Um, That might not work for everybody, you know, but I would ask you to find why you do what you do so that on the bad days, you can come back to that why you do what you do and be reminded, oh, I do this because it brings me great joy because um, this is like something I've been passionate about for a long time. Therefore, I'm willing to have some bad days or I'm willing to lose some friends or who maybe aren't your friends, you know, or I'm willing to lose some money or whatever it is. If there's a, a good enough root as to why, a good enough foundation, if there's no foundation, you won't take the risk. You, and it, and in my opinion, it does take great risk. If you look at some of the great, the great inventors, the great creators, they have taken risks um, in order to put something new into the world that potentially could help somebody else. Mm, I love the way you put that. Absolutely beautiful. So, Alexandra, if we were to go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Um to not care so much about what other people think (laughs) and and not people please, you know, like just to know that you won't please everyone. Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to love you. And that it's, it's not your business. It's not your business. Who loves you? Who doesn't stay in your lane, stay with yourself and do what feels right for you. Don't go and getting in other people's lanes and, and wondering what are they doing or what do they like me over there or whatever? No, stay on your throne. (laughs) Mm, I love that. And you know, that is one uh, statement that has come out, I reckon about six times in the last two weeks, stay in your lane. Mm, 
I like stay mm. on your throne though. That's a, that's a that's a really to me. I've got a really sweet picture <laughs> with that comes with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So the other thing is, who's been your greatest influence along your journey? Mm. Well, there have been so many. Um, there have been so many, so many human teachers and plant teachers, and it's it's hard to pick a one. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the last seven years in my work with plant medicines, I've learned so much from ayahuasca and, um, as a teacher, as really a teacher. And it's funny, you might think, Oh, a plant spirit. It's a plant spirit. It's not a psychedelic. It's a medicine in my opinion. Um, and it has a spirit. And, uh, to me, that spirit has been a really, really helpful teacher that I've gone back to again and again, a really like I imagine like a, like a Zen teacher back in the day where they would like, you know, kind of like throw your stuff across the room and like <laughs> take out a ruler and give you a good smack. Mm. <laughs> kind of one of those teachers, that <laughs> self-love teacher. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I was just started watching um, a documentary on Guy and, and it was talking about ayahuasca and it sounds so scary. I mean, I've heard people have actually gone through a massive transformation. Some said they would never do it again. Um, but yeah. it's almost like there's a death before yeah. you can get to that enlightenment piece. And so that death process can be quite arduous and quite scary for some people. Yeah, it is. It can be It can be quite gnarly (laughs) but this for me again like if I can sit in some of the my own internal pits of hell then I do think it gives me stronger legs to stand on as a teacher with others and um and helping other people like if I don't have the courage to sit in the depths of my own shadows how can I ask other people to do so um who are my clients or my students or um anyone that follows me and it's been a teacher that's that has taken me into those dark, dark places and said, like, you can come out the other side. Um, so that's been an incredible teacher. And like I said, my father's been an incredible teacher, too, taking me into this, some of the darkest, darkest places inside my own self um, and helping me see that I have the ability to come out to the light. Mm, beautiful. You make it sound sound so uh, such a beautiful spiritual experience, not like I've heard from others. So uh, it is it's very beautiful. So the other thing that we love to ask uh, as we are wrapping up the show is uh, uh, to pick one word that best describes your brand. What would be that one word that describes your personal brand? Ever evolving. Mm, I can see that ever evolving. That's beautiful, and that is one word. I love it. well no hyphenated it's hyphenated yeah it is ever evolving for those it is one word ever evolving and even so it doesn't matter if you you could even pick three words it's okay the other (laughs) thing as we wrap up the show we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners so what would be the three practical exercises that you would like to leave for our audience today okay well so you asked me this and i thought about it and um (laughs) so the first one that popped into my mind was (laughs) a Bob Marley quote like yes I'm pretty much an infinite uh hippie anarchist child but um when Bob Marley says none but ourselves can free our mind I feel like that's Buddhist as 
fuck, that is deep. It's so spiritual. No one can free your mind. Your mind is what projects everything onto the world. Um, and it's it's yours to choose how you um, free it and how you condition it and how you use it. So that's one. Free your mind, baby. Mm, uh, <laughs> love it. This, Yeah. The second one is dare to stop comparing yourself to others. Um, who would you be if you stopped comparing yourself? Who would you be if you didn't have those other other models in your mind of who you could or couldn't be maybe you you would be something so big and so bright and so different so taking that dare and saying you know what I'm gonna stop comparing myself to other people for a while it takes a lot of practice and a lot of self-control um and that sort of segues into my last one which is who might you be if you had the courage to face your fears um so again if those fears weren't pre- preventing you from maybe doing that weird project or writing that thing or um, wearing that outfit or whatever it is, who might you be in the world? So I think that fear facing is just such a beautiful way of essentially, like you said, uh, letting that become this little false evidence that dissipates into the wind. Mm, I love all three of them, absolutely. So, Alexandra, where is the best place for our listeners to find you? Um, well, my website is alexandraroxo.com. You can get on my mailing list there. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Alexandra Roxo. I am going to take the next month off Instagram um, as in just spend some more quiet time for myself. My work is pretty set up right now and I'm really feeling like investigating who the next version of myself is that I want to bring to the world and not clinging to the old versions and being really careful to not um, feel like I need to publicly process and share everything but instead take some privacy with myself to sit and ask myself what's the next stage of my service. Mm, that's beautiful I love that absolutely love that Alexandra I can't thank you enough for coming on the show it's been an absolute honor I love you sharing your wealth of wisdom with us and thank you so so very much for your time and your energy oh you're so so welcome thank you for having me and if you do uh, join my Instagram while I'm not there, there's still all kinds of great uh, writing and Instagram stories that you can peruse in the meantime and lots of podcasts and things too. Thank you so, so very much. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift. Where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram. 
Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.